because relaxin can stay in a woman's system for up to nine months post-pregnancy uh, or after having baby and so and that's even if you're not breastfeeding it can still be in your system for nine months um, and so a from a an instructor point of view um, or just personally you've got to be aware of that but be from an instructor point of view you have to be aware that if you have postnatal women in your class for at least nine months they could be less stable and so you just got to be aware of that kind of thing you're listening to the ricky long podcast where international fitness entrepreneur ricky long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training nutrition and mindset ricky is a fitness industry expert having been helping people achieve their fitness goals since 2002 we talk everything fitness business and group exercise to help you on your fitness journey episode number 50 of the Ricky Long Podcast. Uh, so, so, so happy to be bringing you this episode. I've been wanting to talk about this on my podcast for a long, long time. It is about pregnancy and group exercise. Predominantly from the group exercise instructor's point of view, but there will be a massive crossover for anyone who you know who is pregnant, has been pregnant, thinking about getting pregnant, and does exercise in general. So on this episode, I've got Isla Vandermeer. Vandermeer. Uh, Isla and I had a joke about me trying to pronounce <laughs> Isla's surname, and I do apologise for kind of doing it very, very badly. <laughs> um, she she uh, is very, very forgiving of that. So you're gonna you're gonna hear Isla for what is uh, a great episode. It's another one of those free-flowing episodes um, I seem to be getting a lot of recently, which are, I really, really like. And Isla has been a Les Mills trainer and a Les Mills instructor now since 2014. Uh, before that, she has worked for Les Mills behind the scenes doing things like assessing and quality control, which she's going to explain in this episode. And more recently, 2015 to be precise, Isla gave birth to her first child, Joseph, who was three at the time of the episode, so in 2019, so she fell pregnant in 2015 and gave birth in 2016. And this episode is just about the changes that go through the, the female body during pregnancy and what, as group fitness instructors, we need to do to allow from that whether like i said at the start whether you're going to be pregnant yourself you're going to be having participants who are pregnant or whatever the circumstances might be because we'll, we'll all know someone at some point in our life who fall pregnant it's uh you know <laughs> i was thinking about saying something really profound there that it is nature it it will never change but I've, uh, I've decided to go off on a tangent. Um, so I'm going to jump out of this and get really, really back to basics right now. This episode is sponsored by Pony for Sport, Northern Ireland Sports Retailer of the Year 2018. This episode is sponsored by Jump 4.2, the group fitness instructors program that helps group fitness instructors be fit to teach. We also have a Patreon, which is a way for you to support this podcast and allows me to bring you content on a weekly sometimes twice weekly basis please do check out the show notes please do go and check out isla's instagram and social pages high high quality episode and just before you go you know i love it when you do a little screenshot and you put that screenshot on your instagram stories if you do that for this one 
I will go onto your page and I will give you, you know, the heart emoji. I'll give you the heart emoji and a fruit of my choice. So uh, that's your offering for episode number 50 of the Ricky Long Podcast with Isla. And just a quick little pre-warning, such was the flow of our conversation uh, and how it went. Uh, you're going to get such high, high, high information and knowledge out of this and, and a personal experience from Isla. We did want to clarify something once the episode is finished. So around the 45 minute mark, you are going to hear an, an insert of audio from both me and Isla, which was recorded after the podcast finished. And it's just us clarifying some points, which maybe in the podcast we... Um, just because we're in flow of conversation, the, the points weren't as concise as I would have liked. So we've made sure that is in there. Look out for that. It's clearly marked on the episode. Enjoy. And welcoming on to the podcast, I am absolutely delighted to be welcoming VDM. Isla VDM onto the podcast, which is Isla von der Merve. Is that... Yeah, pretty good. I'm <laughs> impressed. <laughs> We've spent the last two minutes prepping for this podcast, me basically trying to pronounce your surname. How, how good a job did it do on a scale of one to ten? I would say about an eight, actually. <laughs> pretty good. I'm impressed. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really excited about having uh, having a chat with you. Isla is a Les Mills UK trainer, presenter, assessor. And Isla was part of the assessing and quality assurance team for Les Mills since 2013. And the quality assurance team basically makes sure all elements of the Les Mills UK training is up to scratch with industry standards and beyond. And you have been a trainer yourself since 2014. And currently you're a trainer body step. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. How are you today? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much for having me. Excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about this one. Um, full disclosure, the topics we are going to chat about, I am, what's the word? You know, there's holes in my knowledge about this. So this, like, I, I'm here for the education. Like, <laughs> oh, really... fing- fingers crossed I, <laughs> I can educate. All right, <laughs> uh, so why don't you tell uh, everyone who you are and kind of what your fitness journey is? Yep, so, well, thanks for the introduction. Um, so, yeah, I'm Isla van der Merve. You got it all except the rolled R, so it's all good. Um, and, yeah, I've been part of the Les Mills UK trainer um, assessor team since 2013 as an assessor and working on internal quality assurance. And back at that time, I used to be instructor development manager for Les Mills UK. Um, and so that was all part of my role then. And then alongside that, I then attended my trainer boot camp or presenter boot camp 2014. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my fitness journey as far as Les Mills goes. Um, I've always been involved in fitness, interested in in health and fitness. Um, do you want more about that history now? I don't know how much of it's interesting. It's a bit of a long story. We, we like long stories because <laughs> yours will be very, very different. Possibly, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, because you kind of, you did it the opposite way around in that you became, you were involved in the Les Mills office before you were involved in the Les Mills team, which for, you know, never mind the majority of the audience who listen to this, you know, for a lot of trainers, that's 
very, very unusual for, it's normally the other way around. For example, I went from being a trainer to doing some assessing, but it's very unusual for it to be like, you, you set up the assessing and then you become a trainer. I mean, what's that all about? How'd that happen? <laughs> um, yeah, good question. So um, I started um, in the Lesmos office in 2012, um, just on the phones um, and very quickly an opportunity came up to start to lead some of the team. So I stepped into that role, really supporting Jean-Anne Marnock, who is the um, instructor development um, director, instructor development director, instructor experience director. Um, and so through that, I became really interested in assessing. I started working a lot on assessments and I was already teaching programs at the time. I'd done my AIM 1, AIM 2, etc at the time and um, so I had the relevant experience to be able to join the assessor team and as part of my role back then in the office I then set up the quality assurance process um, and then in fact I, I remember the conversation I've been doing some team teaching with Dave Kyle um, body pump wise I got my elite in body pump and they were looking at who needed what programs they needed etc on the next boot camp and he was sat across from me talking to someone else in the office at the time, kind of saying, oh, we need some body steppers and this, that and the other. And the other person he was speaking to looked at him, looked up and was like, well, I was a body stepper. And it was like a light bulb kind of went on in Dave's mind. And he was like, oh, yeah, OK, I've not seen her teach step. I've seen her teach pump. Um, and because I'd worked my way up through AIM 1, AIM 2, Elite, etc., um, I was then invited along to boot camp. Um, for body step um, and just just went from there I was successful at boot camp became a presenter and quite quickly became a trainer actually it all happened by the end of 2014 I was I'd been signed off as a trainer so it all happened very quickly for me um, but yeah so that's kind of how I did it the other way around yeah that's cool like it's different everyone's journey's kind of very very specific I remember when I had Hazel on here beforehand and how she kind of went through the journey and come on to the team and had Mike Trott, who obviously had a very, very different experience to everyone. Um, so it's, it's always good for people to hear. What I know people are going to wonder about here is how to become an assessor for Les Mills. So before we talk about that is what is the actual assessor's qualification that people would need? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so you can, there's a few, you can get some specific assessor qualifications. I think they might be a level two um, and you do have like various places, various fitness providers um, provide them. I would actually recommend people if they are interested in going down that route is to go for their level three award in education and training um, purely because it gives you the assessment side of stuff, but then it also gives you more from a teaching side as well. So if you then head into assessing or even just when you're working with groups of people in general, it just gives you the assessment side, but also some really good sort of teaching skills and how to manage groups of people and that kind of thing. Um, and you don't have to have an assessing qualification to apply to be an assessor for Les Mills. You just mm -hmm. have to be working towards an assessor qualification so um, they like to see that you've gone through all the levels of training that you're up to date with your ongoing development points etc um, and then and it's just down to business need so if you are on a smaller program like body step for example it's highly likely they're not going to need any more assessors a big program like body pump 
then there's more likelihood. And so it's just a matter of getting in touch um, and they'll keep it on file until they, until they need more assessors. Great, because I know as soon as we started chatting about assessing, people are going to ask, how do we become assessors? Yeah. So that's, that's that box ticked. I can tick ticked. that off. Yeah. Um, well, listen, we are going to chat specifically on this episode about uh, pregnancy and exercise. Yeah. Um, so, you know, give us an insight to why that is important to you. Yeah, I mean, it's so I am um, I fell pregnant or oh, how old's Joseph? He's three years old now. So I fell pregnant 2015. Um, and at the time I was teaching body attack, body pump, body step. Um, I just stopped teaching body jam. So I was teaching three programs. Um, I was training regularly in the gym, um, weights training, also had an office job. Um, and sort of I kept going most of the, all the way through pregnancy with training I didn't keep teaching the whole time but I went kept going training the whole time and just for my own well-being really as you know it's really healthy for baby but also from a mental and physical point of view for me it was really important because keeping fit and healthy is kind of my hobby it's always been part of my life um and then after having Joseph I am um, I found that the information out there for people was really lacking. So I knew what I was doing because of my training and my qualifications and and whatnot. But even still, I found it really daunting sometimes. There were certain things that I would, the first few months after Joseph was born, I'd wake up each morning and I felt like an old lady, like all my joints ached, everything was sore. And it's stuff like that that I wasn't prepared for. So then trying to, you know, work out on top of that and you're not getting any sleep. All you want to do is eat sugar because you're really sleep deprived. And so it's kind of, even though I knew what I should be doing, I found it sometimes a real battle to kind of stay focused, cope with how my life had changed with having a baby, but also with wanting to get back into shape. Um, And I put a lot of pressure on myself. But I also had friends who don't come from a fitness background, but really love being fit and healthy. And they would, you know, four weeks after having a baby, they would be like, yeah, I'm going to go out for my first run today. And I'd just be like, what are you doing? Like, you've had a baby four weeks ago. And it's kind of, there's just a real lack of information and support. Um, And so for me, it's just really important to talk about these things and to try and put more information out there. But in in a supportive way rather than pictures of me kind of going oh look at me six months postpartum and I'm tiny now and that kind of thing because that's not going to help to support anyone but if anything it just makes it really really daunting and worse from a mental health point of view and Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong if people can get back into shape after six months great um but got to think about the majority of the population that's just not not feasible um and so it's just making people realize that, yeah, it's okay for it to take a long time and make sure that you do it properly. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of really become a a passion of mine really is to try and support women pre and postnatally um, to, to do it in the right way and to do it in the best way for them. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a topic which is never, you know, pregnancy in women is never going to go away and pregnancy in female 
group fitness instructors will obviously never go away. And like I said at the start, I, there's massive holes in my knowledge in this. Um, I have done the pre and postnatal when I did my, my level three, level four, like you're talking 12, 13, 14, 15 years ago. I do keep myself up to date as best as I can, but it's not the area that I would focus on. And like I, I do know a lot of the right stuff. And I, like I know when a woman's pregnant, they still need to be exercising. I know they're, obviously their bodies are different, but I found myself uh, six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, when I was down with my cousin in Camberley and she is pregnant with her second baby. So she's already been through pregnancy, but I didn't see her during her first pregnancy. I saw her, Catherine's probably about five months now, so maybe she was about three months in, just starting to show a bump. And I immediately went to that place of treating her like a complete invalid, <laughs> which is like the worst thing to do. And because, because it's my cousin, like she called me on it straight away. Yeah. And I, I, obviously, I felt really stupid after that. And I caught myself on. It's like, well, you're pregnant. You, you're, not, you're not an invalid as such. So I kind of want to focus on just for now and what changes you made in your life when you were pregnant so you said you were teaching four programs and then you went down to three when you were pregnant you dropped so i dropped body jam just before i fell pregnant actually so that was for for other reasons um and purely because i had one class a week and i was having to relearn choreography every single week for body jam and my brain just could not cope with it Um, and with program just to pick up (laughs) and with a full-time office job and being on the trainer team for a program in fact for two programs at the time um and and then also I had an almost two-hour commute in each direction um from where I was living at the time into the office in London I was just like I can't cope can't cope with the fourth program um so then when I fell pregnant I was teaching three programs so pump attack and step um I had stopped teaching any sort of freestyle stuff I did that back in the day when I was a group exercise manager and teaching a stupid amount of classes a week. Um, So just down to three Lesmos programs. And I kept going with all of the programs quite, I was really lucky with my pregnancy. I had a very straightforward pregnancy. I felt pretty nauseous for about six to seven weeks in my first trimester, 24 seven feeling nauseous, but was never actually sick, which is really good. And also, but it gave, made me really realize how some women, because for me, I knew even if I was feeling nauseous, I knew that going to do some kind of workout was going to make me feel mentally and physically better. Even if I wasn't you know, working to the, the intensity that I used to be or whatever, I knew it would make me feel better. But I very much, it made me realize how easy it is for, for women in that first trimester of pregnancy to fall out of the habit of exercising regularly because the body's going under such massive changes and shifts and it is the trimester where you're likely to get morning sickness or just feeling really tired really groggy all the hormones are starting to kick in and so I can kind of understand where some women just go I'm not going to the gym tonight I'm just going to go home and sit on the sofa and then they get out of that that routine of exercising so you get to the second trimester they start to feel a little bit more energetic and they don't feel as tired hormones have balanced out a little bit um 
and they're kind of out of that routine and so they sometimes then want to come back into exercise but they've already got a bit of a bump and things like that so it was it was just a really different experience for me actually going through it being able to see actually I can really see why people drop out of fitness but then try to come back to it once they're further along in their pregnancy but then they've had almost a three-month break from it so it's then making sure that it's suited to to where they are now um so I kept exercising the whole way through I taught body attack until I was six months pregnant and I stopped that it was in one particular class where I went from the plyometric track so track four and the beginning of the um, conditioning track, track five, we almost went straight down into a burpee type movement. Mm -hmm. And I had a moment of going, whoa, like my blood pressure is just a bit not where it should be right now. Felt a little bit dizzy. And that was the moment where I thought, okay, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. And I said to my members, you know what, like I kept teaching that class taking options etc and at the end of it I said I think my time's come where enough's enough for attack and they kind of said oh you know please stay just show the options we know what we're doing and I know some instructors choose to do that they keep teaching just doing the options the whole way and you know if, if they're comfortable with that their members are comfortable with that that's great for me I didn't feel like I could role model everything correctly and if I had new people coming into the class and I'd say yeah do a tuck jump but I couldn't do a tuck jump yes I can show I could show members that were doing it but it didn't sit right with me I felt I couldn't role model all of the exercises the way they should be and so I stepped away from body attack at six months and actually I've never gone back to it um <laughs> still get tempted to dust off my attack shoes every now and then but it hasn't <laughs> happened yet um and then body step I carried on until I was seven months pregnant teaching um on a lower step though definitely I dropped the step height and again for me it was because when I'm teaching I'm very much focused on the participants and it was um, at seven months pregnant, I was on stage at Lesmos Live London. Um, the Remember. first year we were at, yes. yeah, first year at Excel. And I was, I didn't have the microphone on at the time. I was just shadowing. And I mean, I know those events are knackering anyway. Mm. Um, but I got to the end of the body step masterclass and I was like, wow, that has taken a lot out of me. And I think because I wasn't teaching, I was actually paying more attention to how I was feeling and how my body was feeling. And again, I kind of said, right, I'm going to do a couple more weeks after this and then that's enough of body step. Um, and body pump, I kept teaching till I was seven months pregnant, but I kept actually doing it until, well, I did a body step class in my living room the day I went into labor. So I kept doing it right up until, until the end. And the main reason I stopped teaching it was a, again, being able to demonstrate properly, like things like an upright row or a clean and press. With new people in the class, yes, I can talk about having the bar close to them, but with visual learners, when I'm actually taking the bar away from my body, mm -hmm. I was just a bit like, oh, I just don't feel like I'm role modeling it the way it should be. But equally, because I had a two-hour commute to get home and I taught all of my classes in central London because that's where my office job was, I was just knackered. I was getting home at like half 10 at night, having to be up at six o'clock the next morning. And it was just yeah. too exhausting. Um, 
so yeah, I, I feel fortunate that I was able to keep teaching for quite a long time. Um, and the whole way through pregnancy, I was still having regular PT sessions doing weights in the gym. Obviously not going for increasing weights, just looking for maintenance, really working on posture because um, that as bump grows, center of gravity changes. We've got a lot of relaxing going through our system. So all of our joints become more mobile. So um, just looking on maintaining posture um, and maintenance of fitness levels. So I did that again the whole way through through pregnancy. Lots of walking. I've got a beautiful black Labrador. So um, lots of walking um, and walking to and from the tube station in London. I would get off a couple of stops earlier, have my walk a little bit longer to and from the office. Um, so, yeah, I was really active through pregnancy, but definitely had a few specific times where I had almost a sense check with myself and how my body was feeling and how I was reacting to the intensity of some of the stuff I was doing. And that's when I said, no, I need to step back from that, that intensity now. Yeah, I think that's very, very profound. What you've said is, you know, you recognized it yourself. Um, you know, you had that moment in your body attack class where you recognize this and we all fall into this trap at some point as group fitness instructors is we're there for the participants. It's like, what happens? You know, I'm scared to get cover for this class to go to my best friend's wedding because my participants will miss me and we, we lose that sense of reality. And it sometimes takes, you know, use the example of a best friend's wedding, but it sometimes takes a major life event like having a baby for people to kind of fully get that switch and the, the analogy I use is you know when you're on the airplane and you're told to put your seatbelt on first before you help somebody else so it's you need to look after you so I'm speaking to all the mums out there is you need to look after yourself first and foremost before you can look after your participants and if that's because in this case we're talking about pregnancy if we're talking about you just have a, a little sniffle or a little, little cold you know, if you're going to truly put your participants first, you have to make sure you're able to show up. Um, yeah. I, you, you know, to step away kind of from pregnancy for a second is I have this conversation quite often with instructors who are maybe teaching 20 classes a week and they're scared to give a class up because of their members. And I'm like, well, if you teach 18 classes a week and you get two hours extra rest, those 18 classes will actually be better. Be better. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's, I kind of was jotting things down as you were chatting, you know, just about that first trimester and uh, so it, how you changed your intensity in the classes. Um, so you said you were taking options in attack and step and pump. So if, if you could speak right now to female pregnant Les Mills instructors, what sort of options were you taking in those classes? Like what were the biggest changes you were making? Um, so... There are a couple of different things. So A, not to do with options, but I was making sure I was fueling myself properly. Mm. Like I, I made sure I always had a snack, um, probably a more substantial snack before I started teaching. On a Monday night, I taught a double, a full hour step, a full hour pump with a five minute gap in between. And I always made sure I had something on top of the stereo that I could just like throw in quickly always had to have a toilet dash because it gets to a certain point in pregnancy <laughs> where it's like I'll be back in a minute um and making sure that I didn't just have water I had something with electrolytes in kind of just to help me through through that um 
so that was really really important and making sure I was refueling quickly afterwards um and um as far as options go so body step you can drop the step down um to a lower height absolutely body attack I very much the whole way I was still teaching it I was still trying to role model like I say a tuck jump I would still role model one tuck jump and then I would take the option um so it was yeah just really trying to show them what they can do but then being sensible with it so and it wasn't the whole time like I'd very much other than the really peak tracks in body attack I was still full-on going for it um and but then it's just like a tuck jump with a bump in front of you it's just not comfortable and you land and you can feel it on your pelvic floor and you kind of go yeah no that that's not yeah. quite right I'm, um, I'm, I'm squirming at the thought of it from, <laughs> from a, a male's perspective I'm like oh yeah. <laughs> I can only imagine yeah so it's um and because your center of gravity is so you know it's so affected by having a bump and obviously um breasts are growing and like I said relaxing is in the system so kind of your sense of balance can really be affected and just your stability in a lot of moves it's whereas you might normally land a jump like a plyometric lunge or something really well all of a sudden you might actually feel like you're really not very secure or stable in moves like that so it's um it's just trying to be aware of yourself um and in pump options wise i put the bench on a slope mm -hmm. um I realize I'm using my arms to talk and no one except you is going to be able to see my arms. That's all right. There we That's go. Right. Um, so yeah, I put my step on a slope, um, which is a bit annoying when you've got tracks like the chest track where you're on the step and then you're do, trying to do walking push-ups and stuff because that doesn't really work on a slope step. But um, I know. I, I or, kind of think we need Diana Mills to get pregnant again so we can see those <laughs> options in the masterclass. <laughs> or like trying to do, like you've got bar work with triceps and then tricep dips. So it's kind of... Yeah, for yourself and if you have pregnant participants, just being aware of how you're going to set them up for those yeah. tracks. Um, and you get to a point where you kind of, because you can't sit up off the step in pump, mm -hmm. you end up kind of rolling off it a bit like a beached whale. Um, so it's just but having a bit of fun with it as well. Kind yeah. of, you know, your participants are still really grateful that you are there, you're rocking up, you're still teaching a good class. And if anything, taking it as an opportunity to really hone your coaching skills um, mm -hmm. and be the role model physically, um, but look after yourself. And I think one of my key points is as an instructor, you are a role model. And if you had pregnant women in your class, would you be advising them to do half the stuff that you are still doing? And if the answer is no, you need to have a think about should you still be doing that because it's for your own safety it's for the safety of your baby and it's for the safety of your participants and it's all great you know there's nothing wrong with saying you know I taught my last class the day I went into labor full credit to people that are still able to do that that's brilliant but sometimes you have to be really true you have to be really honest with yourself and if you are still doing stuff that yeah, you wouldn't advise pregnant participants to do, then I think you have to yeah, take a really good look at yourself and ha have a little word with yourself and kind of say, should I still be doing this? Um, 
yeah. I think there's a duty of care what you've just said. Um, I, I can only add weight to. Um, and, it, and it is that you might still be teaching a class on the day that you go into labour, but that class should not be the same intensity you were the day before you got pregnant. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, and that, this is one of the things I tell a lot of, well, well, on the rare occasions it happens and I'm dealing with people who become pregnant, it's especially in that first trimester as you touched on, is that's when you start to feel, you know, all, all the emotions, all the, the, the repercussions of being pregnant and you're getting all these changes going on in your systems and your hormones are all over the place. And it's training is such a great mental release. So by all means, try to still train. Just don't expect as much from your body. And, you know, it's okay to substitute your body pump workout, which is really, really challenging, for a 30-minute walk. I yeah. say what, what you can actually get is because again this is the male understanding is because you're you actually become more sensitive to your hormones so if you take you know our our feel-good hormones our endorphins our adrenaline um our oxytocin is ordinarily a 30-minute walk just feels like a 30-minute walk but when your hormones don't quite know what they're doing that can feel like you've just you know you're you can get an endorphin rush like you've just done a hip workout. So a message to all the, the pregnant women out there, you know, if, if you're used to training five days a week, still train five days a week, but maybe that intensity just changes depending on how you're feeling that day. And I suppose that can go for any time during the pregnancy. But for me, that's what I tell people in the first kind of three months, you know, your, your body's about to go through a whole lot of shit. So let's, let's help it rather than restrict it. And let's give the mental side of it a release. Yeah. And that that's really important. And particularly the first three months where you do where you're not necessarily telling people that you're pregnant, mm. but you can feel really shit. Like, mm -hmm. even if you're not actually being sick, you can just feel horrendous. And so from the mental point of view, just having those that little rush of endorphins and things like that can make a massive difference. And then second trimester you tend to have more energy but your bumps growing so it's thinking about okay how can I keep working on posture and just maintaining what I have at the moment and then third trimester your lungs are squashed you've not got room to breathe like your ribs are coming out so it's again a whole nother lot of factors to think about because you might still be pushing yourself, teaching something, but actually your lungs have got like a third the amount of space to breathe that they used to. And so you're going to get out of breath a lot quicker. You're not going to be able to get as much oxygen in to fuel your own body, but you're also needing oxygen for your baby. Mm -hmm. And so it's just really thinking about, and that's where when I was on stage, Lesmos Live London, and I wasn't actually teaching, so I wasn't focusing on the participants, I had a real moment of, wow, this is really, really tough, actually. And when I taught my step class five days ago, it didn't feel like this. But because <laughs> I wasn't focusing on participants, I could take a moment to see how I was feeling. And the lack of lung space, I was like, yeah, okay, this is, yeah. this is really hard now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's kind of different factors to think about in the different trimesters. But generally across the board, it's, it's about maintenance. You should never be pushing for results when you're pregnant. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, very much expect, not expect less. That's the wrong way to put that. Is just lower your expectations in terms of, you know, you might go into that body attack class and do all eight tuck jumps normally, but this time, you know, one tuck jump's still good. Yeah. Uh, so just lower those expectations. So the next one is kind of, you know, more about the the postnatal side. So what what was your kind of returned to training like i know we touched about that at the start um but you know we can flesh that out a bit more what was your return to training like and what was your experiences like through that did you, did you say four weeks at the start was that you or was you talking no about that was not days? that was not me no okay, that's all right <laughs> um so i this where i put a lot of pressure on myself um because i because of my job, because I was a trainer, a presenter, I love fitness. And so I believed that other people would expect me to get back into shape quite quickly. Um, and how do, you, how that, do you feel about that right now? But I know it's not the case. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know that. And actually, from people I've spoken to and various bits I've put on Instagram, because I never did oh, look at me at three months postpartum and six months postpartum. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's just not my kind of thing. Because every woman's journey is completely different. Um, And with some of the stuff I have posted, I've had really nice comments and feedbacks about the fact that I've been really honest that it did take me so long to get back into shape. Um, And for me, I'd say initially straight after having Joseph, I slimmed down quite quite quickly not all the way down um but just you know you lose a lot of weight because of all the extra stuff like the amniotic fluid and um placenta and everything and then um so you you kind of slim down quite quickly um but then your body feels completely completely different um and you start to you start to get seriously sleep deprived um and so for me personally like when I was pregnant I went completely off chocolate which for anyone that knows me knows that that is like a serious this thing this does not happen this sounds um, horrendous <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I literally ate about two giant chocolate buttons the whole time I was pregnant um but then I really made up for it once I was <laughs> born so <laughs> you rebounded <laughs> big time and it's definitely the kind of you're stuck at home, not stuck at home. Like I, I made sure I got out of the house almost every day with Joseph, but you are, you know, you still got a lot of hours at home that you're not used to. Um, you're really sleep deprived and you're struggling with your feelings, with your hormones, just adapting to, to your new life with a little person. And for me, I very much turned to the sugar. So I would say I kind of, I never weighed myself. I'm not into weighing myself, never have been. For me, it's about how I feel and how I feel in my clothes. Um, But I would say, I look back at pictures. We got Joseph christened when he was three weeks old. And I look back at pictures then to then pictures of when he was kind of six months old. And I would say I'm bigger at six months than I was at three weeks, I think, because I almost just really turned to sugar and wasn't eating correctly. Um, And... 
I also, like I said before, all my classes and the gyms that I used to go to were in London because that's where my office job was. And I lived two hours out of London. I was living in Farnborough at the time. And so for me, I didn't actually have that kind of fitness community around me. Um, and don't get me wrong, the, the street I lived on at the time, there are lots of us that had had babies in the same year. It was a fantastic, fantastic community. I'm... I didn't say this at the start, I'm a, a military wife, um, very proud military wife. And so there was a really nice sort of military community um, and we all kind of clubbed together. But it was just in a different way to, you know, fitness community. And it's not like I had gyms that I could go back to and attend classes in or, or whatnot straight away anyway. Um, and I tried taking Joseph to a crash. Um, I was like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get him in the crash. I'm going to go back to the gym. And it was just, for me, it was horrendous. I went at a really quiet time um, so that he could have almost one-to-one -one attention in the crash, but he just never, never settled. And for me, I would be on the gym floor knowing that I had just left my five-month-old baby screaming his head off downstairs I'm crying just thinking about it. And <laughs> um, and it just, I couldn't get the value out of the workout, nothing like that. And so I didn't do that for very long. Um, but quite quickly, I'm jumping around a lot here, I know. Um, but well, quite quickly. What I want to do, can I yeah. just uh, jump in and kind of give people a timeline? So, yeah. Fell pregnant in 2015, was Joseph born in 2016? Yeah, end of June 2016. He okay, was born. so he's three, just turned three now? Just turned three. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. He actually, um, for the podcast listeners, he was in the room just before we started recording. He was very interested to see what mommy was doing. It was very cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to give people that timeline is when did you, so you give birth in the June, when did you start getting back into training and how did the sugar fix kind of come into this as well? Was it during that time getting back into training? Um, so I, I tried to get back to, to moving as quickly as possible. Um, I, again, I was pretty lucky with my labour. Um, it was extremely quick. Um, literally, as in from the moment I said to my husband, "I don't feel quite right." to the moment Joseph arrived was five hours, which is very quick, yeah. particularly for a first, yeah. a first child. Um, but because it was so quick, I did end up um, with an episiotomy and quite a lot of stitches just because it was a very quick birth. And so, um, but part of that meant I couldn't sit down very comfortably for a long time. So I was up walking around quite a lot. So I was quite active straight away, taking the dog out for short, slow walks. Um, and because I didn't know many people in the Farnborough area, because my life had kind of been in London commuting in and out, I booked Joseph and I into lots of kind of mummy and baby classes, in fact, four a week from when he was turned about eight weeks old. Okay. Um, and just to get us out of the house for me to meet new people. One of those was like a mummy and baby yoga thing, which was not really yoga but it was really it was a really nice we had it on a Monday morning it just other mums kind of had a bit of a chat got ourselves moving a bit did a, re, a bit of relaxation so I started stuff like that very quickly 
And I also, an absolute godsend was Les Mills On Demand. I used that a lot and still do now um, because it's got, you know, it's got body balance, it's got CX works, um, so all that kind of thing. So I, I use that a lot. But also the main focus for me right at the start, other than walking and just getting myself moving, was working on pelvic floor exercises uh-huh. and just trying to get my core engaging in the right way again um and i and this is the one thing that horrifies me no one ever no medical professional ever checked to see if i had diastasis recti um which horrifies me because i know what it is i know how to check myself for it but i would say this to friends of mine that had had babies and they were like what are you talking mm-hmm. about? Don't know what this is. Um, and don't my, get me wrong. Oh, sorry, carry on. I was going to say my line to the pregnant women after, or sorry, post pregnant women is come back to training when you get the okay from the doctor. And that's under the good faith. And <laughs> Isla's shaking her head. That is me under the good faith that the doctor is going to do all the, the proper pelvic floor tests which we're about to chat about so let's let's go in the depth of what what should what sh- should get the boxes ticked to say you're okay to come back to the exercise so this is that moment that i warned you about at the start where after isla and i finished recording we just wanted to, I say we, Isla just wanted to add something in, just to clarify, just in case it gets lost in translation. So you're going to hear that voice message next, which is completely organic, completely raw, and actually ripped straight from my WhatsApp conversations where Isla sent this in a voicemail, and I've just inserted it straight in here. Hi Ricky, it's Isla. Um, so I just wanted to send a little message just to clarify something we were talking about in the podcast, um, just about the six-week check. And it was just to um, to say that as instructors, please do always check that a lady coming back after pregnancy has had her six-week check. Um, because although the experience I had, unfortunately, is quite common, it's still really important to check that the ladies have had had that check. Um, and it's just to be aware that even if they've had that, they might not have been checked for things like um, split abs, etc. So really important to just always be aware of what options to give them and just check in with them throughout the class, at the end of the class, etc. Um, and ladies who are wanting to get back into exercise no gyms or or even mummy and baby classes will allow you to start until you have had your your six week check so so do make sure you have that and and the point i'd wanted to make was just to make sure that you you ask them if there's anything you're unsure about at your six week check or with a midwife or a health visitor ask them to check your abdominals and anything you're unsure about anything you're uncomfortable with or something feels like it's not healing right just ask them so that it puts your mind at at ease and so you feel more confident getting back into into some form of training and things like pelvic floor exercises and starting to re-engage the core etc that we that we talk about in the podcast that you can absolutely start 
as soon as you feel ready um, after baby has arrived, providing there's no sort of medical advice against that from doctors or, or midwives, obviously. Um, so I just wanted to clarify that um, just so that so that everybody's aware um, that it is still a really important milestone um, just from a recovery point of view, really. Um, but that not everything that we believe necessarily should be checked in those six week checks are actually checked. So it's just to be aware of that, whether you're an instructor and or a participant. All right. Thanks. Bye. And back to the podcast. So, I mean, coming back to gentle exercise, absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, walking, um, I, for a while, when I started just to do a little bit of stuff, just to get myself moving in my living room, I found squats really uncomfortable because of um, my episiotomy and my stitches. But lunges, I felt okay with. Um, and um, so you can absolutely come back and start to do small things before you've been and this is I'm not talking about a c-section here c-section is slightly different having a cesarean mm -hmm. section and um, but you can absolutely come back to doing gentle stuff um when you feel ready um and sometimes it helps to just go oh you know what I'm gonna stand in my living room do a few step touches like I remember I got the new body step release through and I didn't have a step nothing and I was cuddling Joseph and I just kind of walked through some of the choreography in my living room and just got myself moving um, and everybody has a six-week GP check um, after having a baby and my understanding they book you in for a 30-minute appointment so longer than your normal GP appointment and my understanding was that um, baby gets checked over uh, they redo the newborn checks that they did when he was first born and that I would get checked over and they would check my abs they'd check my uterus etc my appointment and this unfortunately seems to be the story for most pregnant or just had a baby new mums the doctor literally sits there says are you breastfeeding have you got support do you cry a lot? And then that's it. Um, and my GP six-week check lasted about seven minutes. And that includes the checks she did on Joseph. And I walked out of there and I was a new mum. You know, I was I had a newborn baby who had started screaming by the end of this. And I walked out of there just thinking surely that can't be it. This is meant to last half an hour. But I didn't know to question it. Mm -hmm. um, and then so it was what, only with... Yeah, I was going to say, what should you have questioned if you could have that seven-minute meeting again? <laughs> what, what would you have questioned? Um, I would have actually asked her to check my abdominals. Um, mm -hmm. Although, looking back, I actually would have asked her... I would have asked one of the midwives or the health visitors earlier because this particular GP she didn't instill a lot of faith or trust so that sounds very harsh I'm sure in other situations she'd be brilliant but it's like she literally wanted to get me out of the door yeah I think, um, you know it might sound harsh but I mean we're, we're dealing with people's lives here so like yeah. 
if, if, if she's listening, like, you know, to, <laughs> be, be better with your next pregnant mum, please be better. Uh, I, I want to clarify when you say, you know, you said about checking your abs. Yeah. This, this is what, what is that for people who don't maybe fully understand guilty? What, what is that? It's basically, in short, it's the abs splitting. Mm-hmm. Um, so down the front, we've got, we've got our abs um, and they're kind of intertwined um, when we're not pregnant. Um, and as baby grows, they understandably are going to stretch and be put under a lot of strain. And so they, they just start to separate. And a separation is completely normal. Um, and it's when it goes past a certain width so generally we say past two fingers and when it goes past that certain that two fingers mark is when you really start to when you do a crunch for example that will enhance the split in the abs because the muscle fibers are aligned in a different way Um, so it's and once you're once your abs at the front aren't working properly, they're not going to help support your back and your lower back. And you're not going to be, your pelvic floor has also undergone a lot of stress during pregnancy. Your diaphragm has been shoved up into your lungs. And so all the, the sort of core that people talk about, yeah, which is topped by a diaphragm, you've got the pelvic floor at the bottom, you've got your rectus abdominis at the front, none of that is working properly at all. And so if you add a severe split at the front and then you try to load it doing stuff, you've got no support. Your pelvic floor won't engage, your diaphragm won't engage, your back's going to be aching. Um, And so some kind of split is perfectly normal in all pregnancies and diastasis recti is really common and it's really easy to rectify but you need to catch it because I mean I've had someone once two years down the line after pregnancy come and told me she's got a three finger split in her abs and she never knew she had it but she had kept going back because she had back pain and this that and the other and she sort of had a bulging stomach and it was three years down the line, she eventually managed to find the right person that said, well, that's from, that's from your pregnancy. Um, but it can still be fixed. It's not a kind of if you leave it a year, two years, three years, 10 years, that doesn't mean it's permanent. You can still fix it later down the line. Um, so if but, I could jump in and what, no, we're not doctors for anyone who's listening, but how would people check their own Yep. So if you lie back as though you're in a position to do a crunch, so your feet are flat on the floor, knees up, feet feet flat on the floor, hip width apart, um, and you want to relax everything. So don't don't kind of get that brace feeling in your core. You want to relax everything. You can pop a hand behind your head if you want to, just to support your neck slightly as you crunch up, and you want to get your hand again I'm showing you I know no one can see this <laughs> but I will I've um, half written a post that I'm going to do about this on Instagram oh, yeah. shortly I'll um, put that in the, in the show notes yeah and so um, you get your your hands and you basically just do a slow crunch up just a crunch not a sit up and then you look just you pop your fingers kind of just below your belly button and mm-hmm. just you will if there is a split there 
you will feel it and you look just below the belly button just above the belly button it can be higher or lower than that but that's the kind of most commonplace because obviously that's the bit that gets the biggest during pregnancy um and you just see how wide wide that gap is if it is the general rule is if it is two fingers or less you can pretty much go back to your kind of normal training obviously gradually building up to it but you still need to do a lot of work on your core and pelvic floor just to get that unit working properly again if it's any more than two fingers then it's a more severe split and you really need to go and see you need to go and see a a specific physio or or get referred um so that you can have the correct exercises for you so that it doesn't then cause more problems later down the line and what exercises so say i'm on a two finger split yep weird saying that so I'm gonna take another split. <laughs> um what exercises could I do that would start to rectify that, you know, without the help of, you know, a proper physio, I could just do this in my house while my baby's having a sleep. So my my advice is really start with and if you're used to being really active, it's gonna feel like you are doing nothing. Um but lying on the floor and just starting to find some kind of brace and core control so thinking about engaging your pelvic floor trying to get your ribs to kind of soften engage down towards your hips so you're then getting kind of your rectus abdominis to work you're engaging your obliques um that brace position like someone's about to punch you in the stomach is how i like to to describe it but whilst you're still breathing Mm -hmm. um and then just things like heel slides but maintaining that brace maintaining and it's not a full kind of brace the whole time particularly with the pelvic floor the pelvic floor will tire really quickly um but just trying to get more stability back Mm -hmm. things you want to avoid immediately are things like crunches and even sometimes planks or hovers um so crunches simply because even if it's a small split, you're still potentially going to add to that split with that crunch movement. Um, and be um, things like hovers and planks, you've got gravity working against your stomach muscles, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's going to put more weight on them to pull them down. So it's looking at stability and just kind of linking your mind up to those muscles again to get them working in the right way so you've got things like heel slides hip bridges are another really good one to get your glutes firing um because during pregnancy with our change in in posture um we've got relaxing and other hormones but relaxing is a really key one because it makes our joints less stable um so we've got all of those changes you want to try and get the body just firing up more normally again, kind of pre-pregnancy. So, you know, getting the glutes to fire again, getting the core to fire, the pelvic floor, because that's where you're going to create that support for your spine. Um, So you're not going to end up with lower back pain, particularly when you're on the floor crawling around after a baby or picking them up and down and things like that. That's where a lot of people start to complain of having sore backs post-pregnancy because they've just not done that that sort of foundation work to build their core initially. Um, Mm -hmm. So that, that would be my advice. Um, 
and then just ease back into things into things gradually um i like i said body balance was a really really key one for me just taking options um so not if you're doing full leg extensions in the pilates tracks just keep your knees bent like build it up slowly but surely cx works as well i loved but again i was hovers on my knees for a long time mm-hmm. um because that's going to work your glutes, your shoulders, everything you need for a great posture um, and building building that core strength. Pilates is another really good one post-pregnancy. And I know some places run kind of mummy and baby Pilates classes. So it'll get you out of the house. You can take baby with you. They lie on a mat. You can feed them when they want to be fed, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think you know, what's set up for women noise you know certainly a lot better than it was right? like in the gym i used to work in there was nothing for pregnant women you know 10 15 years ago uh and, you know it was just like we'll suspend your membership until you're ready to come back whereas now we actually have communities um i've just written down a couple of questions as you were chatting um and then i've changed my mind about ask asking one of these questions because i don't want people getting into like comparison syndrome so just so like so as everyone knows it was going because people will wonder this question and i don't want to give this answer so don't answer this is <laughs> how, how long was it until you were back to teaching and the reason why i don't want to give you you to answer that because everyone's pregnancy journey is their own and it doesn't matter whether it's you know four weeks or four months or two three years it is completely it's mom's individual journey what i do want to ask though is when you did come back into teaching how how did that feel from like the mental point of view if you can remember yeah um terrifying <laughs> um for, for a couple of different reasons so um first of all i had so just to give you kind of an idea from a, a mental point of view other than adapting to having baby and whatnot i am um, when i was younger I've always been really fit, healthy, active. I did sports science and physiology at uni, always been fascinated by how the body works. I used to run my own dance company, always been really, really fit and healthy. Um, But in 2012, I had hip surgery um, and that kind of knocked me out completely. Like I had to, you know, I had a slow rehab process through that. And so from a mental point of view, I'd already kind of gone back to zero after having hip surgery having to come back really slowly really gradually and then there was me doing it again post-pregnancy and it was it's just from a mental point of view when you're used to being really fit and active and healthy and kind of you know you're out there teaching other instructors how to be instructors and educating people to then really have to take a step back and go okay I almost need to start from scratch and it's not starting from scratch, but it can feel like that. And so I'd done that after hip surgery. I was now doing it again after pregnancy. And the big difference post-pregnancy was I didn't go back to my office job after having Joseph for a number of different reasons, um, but it didn't go back. And so all of my classes were in central London. So I had to go about finding brand new classes in an area I had never taught in before um and so a I didn't feel like I was you know as fit as I used to be in this that and the other but also I had to kind of put myself out there to look 
look for new classes and I was lucky enough that Carla Williams um so balance and CX presenter um for Les Mills she is group x manager at um the village in Farnborough and she was so supportive um they had the license for body step they were running in fact it was their workout for water event last time Les Mills did workout for water she put body step on and so she was she was brilliant at just helping me to kind of step back into that teaching space so it actually took me a long time to get back into teaching um, for a number of different reasons but it was it felt great to be back in front of the class and kind of doing what I know I can do but it's also terrifying because it's kind of a oh my goodness am I going to be as good as I used to be or am I going to forget everything because I haven't slept properly for however many months so I can't remember a thing and so it's yeah it's pretty pretty scary um but then really exciting as well and then you kind of you see the members faces light up when they get a combination and and you kind of think yeah this is what I love about this and Mm -hmm. yeah get that extra kind of rush afterwards that it's not just a workout you've done but it's you've helped change other people's lives and yeah so it's terrifying but exciting (laughs) and that's exactly why we do it as instructors you know for any participants listening to this is we will rock up the class and we will have all this crap going on in our lives and you know it could be as life-changing as pregnancy it could just be we've got a speeding ticket or a parking ticket and it's (laughs) We are worried about maybe making a mistake when we teach, but it's, it's when we teach the class and we get into our rhythm, whatever our rhythm is when we're teaching, and we have that connection with a member. So that, that's a nice link kind of back to the start in that the best way to look after your participants is to look after yourself. And then you're in that place to look after your participants from that. You know, they're better getting 100% of you two or three times a week rather than 60% of you 10 times a week. And, you know, just for everyone out there listening to this, it is, you know, self-care, self-awareness. If, if you can look after yourself, everybody around you will be, you know, they'll be as good as they can be under your care. And kind of linked to that is, um, so when I was saying earlier about, um, you know, I kind of, I started to really go for eating sugar and stuff like that. I reached a point post-pregnancy where I knew that I wasn't looking after myself nutritionally the way that I should be. And, you know, I've got, I've done studies, I've done my, you know, I'm educated and I've done my qualifications and stuff, but sometimes you just need to kind of go, all right, I need to reach out to somebody here. I need somebody almost to to snap me out of this. Um, and so I did, I can't remember, maybe Joseph was about eight, nine months old. Um, and it was at the time when my husband was about to start being away, working away Monday to Friday for 18 months. And so I was like, right, I've got a baby. I've got a husband who's about to be working away. I know I'm not looking after myself the way I should be. Um, And so I actually, I started, I contacted Tim Meadows, who you had on the podcast, well, it's probably a couple of months ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And he just took a look at my my nutrition. Um, And it was, because I'm vegetarian, um, and I knew that my protein intake was 
not where it should be. But again, sometimes you need someone else to tell, even if you kind of know it, you need someone else to tell you just to snap you out of it and for you to go, right, I've asked for help. They've told me what I need to do. I'm now focused and I'm going to move forwards. And and that made a huge change for me, huge, huge mm. difference, because I suddenly just felt a little bit more in control. Um, and I had more energy for the workouts that I was doing um, and just felt a lot happier because I had been snapped out of these bad habits that I had kind of got into. Um, so, yeah, that that made a big difference and just links with you saying, you know, you've got to look after yourself and have a bit of self-awareness and, and self-care. Definitely. Yeah, totally. totally. I'm, I'm going to ask you in a second, you know, your if you've any kind of top tips as I call them for you know pregnant women but I'll just pause there and give a shout out to you know Tim who specializes in nutrition for group fitness instructors and a massive shout out to Carla as well because she obviously gave you that opportunity when you moved to Farnborough and yeah. I have family in Farnborough and every time I'm down she also gives me an opportunity to come in and teach classes and all that so big shout out to Carla yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah what what, what kind of what would be your tips for women coming out of, you know, coming back into teaching or post-pregnancy? Um, take your time, uh-huh. definitely, because um, there is, there's the real desire to want to feel like yourself again. And for a lot of people, that is going for a run or going to teach a class or something like that. And A, you don't want to rush back into something which will then cause you more problems later down the line. So physically, for example, I know one lady who she she used to love running and she got back into the running like within, I think, four weeks after having a baby. And eight months down the line, she was literally back to square one because she had absolutely no pelvic floor control. She was having serious problems with her knees um, because they were unstable. Because um, relaxing can stay in a woman's system for up to nine months post-pregnancy uh, or after having baby. And so, and that's even if you're not breastfeeding, it can still be in your system for nine months. Um, and so a from a, an instructor point of view, um, or just personally, you've got to be aware of that. But be from an instructor point of view, you have to be aware that if you have postnatal women in your class, for at least nine months, they could be less stable. And so you just got to be aware of that kind of thing. So it's, and so that was from a physical point of view, from a mental point of view. I know someone else who she rushed back, taught her first class after six weeks. Um, because someone needed last minute cover and she was like no I'd love to I'd love to get back I'd love to teach and from a mental point of view it did her no good whatsoever because she didn't feel herself she didn't feel like she taught the class she wanted to um, which is not surprising from a physical point of view from a sleep deprivation point of view even just leaving your baby when your baby is six weeks old is a massive massive thing for the majority of women um and so it's from a physical and mental point of view just take your time and build up to things gradually because if you do it properly first time round you 
hopefully will not have problems later down the line. So when you have your midwife coming or your health visitor checks, ask them to check your abdominals if you're unsure. Or if you go to a mummy and baby yoga class, those instructors should be pre and postnatal qualified and should be able to check your abs for you. So if you are going to a, a postnatal class, please check the qualifications of the instructor. Um, just because you do have, or you get quite a lot of like mummy and baby boot camp things now. Again, just double check because you don't want to be getting told to do something that actually potentially isn't isn't right for you um so yeah take your time definitely take your time and that's from a mental and physical point of view um look after your nutrition and that's a definite from personal experience look after <laughs> your nutrition because it does have such a massive impact on how you're feeling physically the energy you have to be able to do training the energy you have to be able to look after your child um, so look after your nutrition um, and ask ask if you're not sure seek help from someone because there are loads of people out there that would love to help and support you coming back on your journey but everybody's journey is different so you're unsure ask for help um, and you know even if it's not face to face sometimes popping a message on social media or something can feel a little bit more anonymous which is sometimes a nice thing so do that and then yeah go from there I've, I've always wondered is there a place I'll listen don't tell us knows UK they won't listen to this podcast is there a place <laughs> for us to have like a community you know I'm thinking like a Facebook group of female les mills instructors pre and postpartum kind of facebook group you know especially you know especially for women who are going through their first pregnancy and have no idea how that will actually affect their teaching life it'd be good for them to speak to someone like you who you say you had quite an, an easy childbirth and then quite a journey in post and then there'll be women who will be the complete opposite of that so maybe i don't know maybe that's something we can we can look into who can we put in charge of that <laughs> my only my only concern with that is if someone um if someone kind of says oh i'm you know i'm i'm pregnant and i'm doing these programs and i'm just not sure how i feel about it and then you have other people saying well, I kept teaching till I was nine months pregnant and, you know, I felt fine and I was back teaching after six weeks because that works for some people. But, and I guess this is the thing with social media with anything, be it pregnancy or anything else, it's, it can sometimes feed those insecurities and people yeah. go, oh, well, maybe I'm not a good enough instructor or maybe my pregnancy is not as good or maybe I'm not dedicated enough because I'm not getting back to it after six weeks. And, and I think it, yeah, that's where I think, like I say, this is not just for pregnancy, pre and postnatal, anything with social media, it kind of, there's the good, bad, the bad and the ugly. And it's, it can be, I wasn't on Instagram when Joseph was tiny, but I can imagine that because sometimes you can feel quite isolated as a new mum. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you're then on social media and you see people doing these incredible workouts with like a tiny baby and this, that, and the other, I imagine it from a mental health point of view, it's, it can be quite detrimental um, because you've got, 
hormones doing wild things anyway mm-hmm. and you're not feeling yourself from a body point of view um and so it kind of women are really i think and i certainly was a really quite fragile mentally at that stage because there's so much going on and so that's where social media i find is anti-social yeah yeah but then on the flip side of that i would find i'd sometimes kind of be on facebook quite a lot and i say to my husband sometimes oh you know i feel like i'm i'm on facebook too much like looking at pictures of um my friends have put up and stuff and he kind of said but sometimes that's almost your only connection to the outside world or to your friends because mm-hmm. you're at home with Joseph tiny baby you know you're out of the house a bit but actually you're at home for a lot more hours than normal um and you're not near a lot of your friends or family and that kind of thing and so it's you kind of want to be on it so that you don't feel like you're missing out and so you kind of feel like there's almost a connection to normal life mm-hmm. um but it's just trying to to put yourself first and just realize that your journey is different to everybody else's. Um, yeah, I yeah. said this in the podcast I did with Adam Shillitoe, and it is related it's about social media, is the second your thumb hits the Instagram logo or the Facebook logo is ask yourself the question, are you going on to produce content or engage yeah. with content? Yeah. And if you're not answering producer engage, get off it because you're yeah. just then you're doing an aimless thumb roll. So if you're if you're going on the Facebook and you want to see, you know, what Jen's been doing that day and you go and search for Jen's profile, fine. And you just want to do a like and, you know, be a little bit nosy and have a little bit of a Ooh, what's she doing? What's she doing? Fine. But the second you find yourself thumb rolling down and you see friends you haven't seen in years and you're seeing adverts for products that you know you've typed in your phone it's like get off get yeah. off and what, what's really good on um on the iphone i'm sure the other phones have it as well as you can see how long you've been spending on apps yeah um so like do monitor that i'm not going to give people time parameters for that but do have a look at how long <laughs> yeah i was laughing there yeah do have a look at how long you're spending on each app and another thing the iphone does as well it tells you that you know when you unlock your phone it will then tell you what app you go to first. So that's really interesting. So mine, you know, hands up, mine, mine used to be head and shoulders was always Instagram. Um, it has now changed just a little bit. Still probably Instagram. Um, and I have alarms set on the phone as well to my alarms go off every hour I spend on social media apps per day. Wow. So as I just am aware of what I'm either consuming or producing or engaging in. Um, yeah. But I think that links me back to what you said at the start is see the, the mental side of that, that being able to connect with people who are going through the same thing as you. You know, whether that is a phone call, whether it's social media, it's meeting people at, you know, the Pilates, baby Pilates or, or whatever we're calling it. That I think that that's more important than any fitness or aesthetic goals especially when you're coming through you know uh, post-pregnancy yeah absolutely absolutely so i was was going to ask so it's now you know it's it's 2019 joseph is just turned three so what does your training and nutrition look like now uh so training wise i teach five permanent classes a week so two step two pump one balance um and i normally have maybe one other cover a week ish 
and then I do a lot of dog walks um lucky to now be living down by the sea which is lovely um, only for that. another <laughs> <laughs> only for another year though and we'll be off somewhere else um and then I always try to fit in each week one grit so there's an awesome grit class straight after my Thursday night body step class so I just stay and participate in that um, I try to fit in one CX works uh, which I do at home Lesmos on demand um, and one weights workout each week in the gym I've also and people that know me will be really surprised so make sure you're sitting down I've really started to enjoy the trip so I've never ever been an indoor cycling fan um but i will always give something a try once and um the village portsmouth have an awesome trip studio mm -hmm. and so i gave it a go and really enjoyed it um and the instructor is brilliant so i do that not necessarily every week but if i want an extra little something i will i will do that but for me it's definitely a weights workout grit cx and then dog walks and running around after a three-year-old <laughs> busy 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 um i was going to ask well what about your nutrition now um so nutrition i um for me a big focus is is protein making sure i've got enough protein in because i'm vegetarian um and for anyone out there it's because i don't like meat um not that there's anything wrong with being veggie for um ethical reasons but my husband well I'm South African originally. My husband is South African and he had really hoped that pregnancy was going to cause me to crave meat again and it would turn me back into a meat eater. And I think, <laughs> I think my dad did as well um, because in South Africa, they kind of go, oh, you're vegetarian. What? What am I meant to feed you? Um, yeah, it didn't happen. Still vegetarian. Um, so for me, yeah, protein is a big focus. Um, sometimes what, tricky from sorry carry on so, so where do you get your protein f from as a you know as a vegetarian what are the good protein sources um so eggs i eat a lot of eggs um i do use um protein powders so i've got a whey protein powder but i also have a vegan protein powder just because mm -hmm. it's protein from a different source um and i corn which is a meat substitute so if i'm making mm -hmm. a bolognese or something i'll use that um so i'd say they're they're the main the main sources um yeah. just to make sure i'm getting enough protein in for for the exercise that i'm doing um and yeah they're the main focus i'm trying not to eat too much cake there are a lot of nice cafes around here <laughs> but i'm very much a an everything in moderation so you know i do i do regularly eat cake and chocolate but not huge amounts and uh -huh. it's all you know my calories all match up and things like that so you know if i have a day yeah. where i know i want to eat cake then i just will have less of something else and it it all balances out so it's definitely in everything in in moderation um sometimes tricky with a toddler because i think it's really important to have meal times with Joseph so I sit and eat with him so he's not eating by himself and I know that doesn't work for all parents but it means that sometimes like, I might be eating lunch earlier than I would necessarily want to or so I then have to have an extra something before I go out to each eat to teach evening classes or so it's kind of trying to fit the fitness side around the toddler side um so yeah
Has, has Joseph seen you teach, just going off on tangent, has Joseph seen you teach and sees what mummy does? Um, has he seen me teach? I don't think he's seen me teach an actual class, but he, so when I do Lesmas on demand at home or I practice new releases, he comes and joins in with me. He Amazing. loves a bit of, loves a bit of CX works and body balance. <laughs> um, and you'll sometimes see, I put little clips up on, on Instagram because a, it's fun, but B, just I think it's really important for him to to see that a fit, healthy lifestyle yeah. is important. They're all they're always watching. They're, they're yeah. always watching. Um, Hugh Davis and Sam always post this yeah. on on their CrossFit page, and it's all about how you know they're always watching. So if they see you doing burpees as a, they you know it's very CrossFit, they see you doing burpees, they see that as a normal. So if and I always imagine what it's like for. You're not Joseph yet because he's three, but say he goes to the school and he's five or six and him and all his school friends are sitting around their little table and they're having their little packed lunch and they're all discussing what their mummies and daddies do for a living. And yeah. it's, going to, it's going to go around the table and it's going to be, oh, my mummy my does a desk job, my mummy, um, you know, works in a shop, you know, does paper as a lawyer. So my mummy puts a microphone on and dances around <laughs> the studio. I was like, that's the normal to them. And I was just like, what, what yeah. is this? <laughs> I wouldn't imagine how that conversation would go. This is normal. I mean, so Joseph at the moment, he'll say that, he'll probably say to people, I'm a teacher um, because I say I'm going to teach. Uh -huh. um, and um, he, or he'll say she does body step or does body pump. Um, Amazing. Amazing. Um, <laughs> and so but I, th I think it's really important for him and like my husband will go for a run in the morning and he'll get back and Joseph will want to go for an extra lap around the block with him because he wants to do his morning run with my husband and yeah I think it's stuff like that's just really important they need to get into good habits and I used to when Joseph was a lot younger I really felt like I needed to do my workouts when he was asleep like I needed it for my time and my headspace which is important yeah. but looking back now I think I would um maybe do a bit more when he was younger with him around yeah. um because yeah now it's I mean CX works he just climbs on my back I become a horse for him which makes me work a hell of a lot harder <laughs> um, and then the dog gets involved and, you know, so we end up just having a good laugh, but we're all having a workout at the same time. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really important. You, this, this is, again, this is coming from a very unqualified, I'm not a parent. So, you know, if I, I don't mean to offend anyone with this, but I think how mom and dad behave in the first five years, it's what, what they see. So if they see mom and dad living healthy, active lives, they will do that. If they see mom and dad eating I, I always i come back to nutrition on this if they see your plate with vegetables on it they see that and they think that is normal so they don't get any of these preconceived yeah you, you know you know i'm 15 years old and i hate vegetables well no no you actually don't it's yeah you've been trained that way so it's very important to, to have that healthy lifestyle i'm not i'm not saying you have to train your child to be a young arnold schwarzenegger in any way <laughs> it's just make exercise fun you know, yeah. crawl, you know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a run. It has to be fun. 
and whatever that definition of fun and achievable is. Because that's all kids want to do anyway. They just want yeah. to fun. He, he doesn't want to do CX works with you. He just wants to play with mommy. He just wants to have fun. He, <laughs> he want, we actually had to buy a new band because he kept wanting to play with the band while I was trying – yeah, it's not a tube anymore. It is a band. Yeah. Um, and um, and so I was just doing those tracks with with nothing, which is fine. But I was like, let's just get another band. He's got um, his own band. I love that. Yeah. Oh, and we went that. camping a couple of months ago, and I took some of my because uh, I've got some kit here, and I took some of my plates with me, but I didn't take the one kilograms. So I had a little workout one morning, and he was looking at the weights, and he came out to me, and he was like, "Mama." where are my little weights? Because I'd left the one kgs behind and he knows that those are his weights if he wants to come and join me. Um, so yeah, it's it's really nice and it's really important to us that he kind of gets that. Um, so yeah. How cool is that? How cool is that? Um, we'll, we'll round it off. Um, just now, very, very conscious of time. I've absolutely loved this. Uh, so I was going to ask, where can people find you on social media? Uh, so Instagram, I'm on predominantly. Um, so it's at Isla VDM. Isla spelt with a Y. So I-S-L-A-Y VDM. Mm-hmm. Um, I am on Facebook as well. Isla Fundamerva, which I keep thinking I need to change just to Isla VDM to make it easier. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, Instagram, Facebook um, are the main places to find Perfect. Me. I'll put them in the show notes. And then the final two questions, same questions for every podcast is what would you tell your 20-year-old self? Uh, yeah, I would love to say, care less what other people think, mm-hmm. but that is always something that I have and still do to this day really struggle with. And I'm really trying to work on what you've always said, like focus on your, your inner circle. What did mm-hmm. they think? And so that's something I'm really trying to work on, but it's definitely still a work in progress. So I'd say um, it's actually... Rather than when going into a situation like a meeting or a class or a module and thinking, oh, what if they don't like me or what if they laugh at me? It's more what's the best that could happen. So it sounds like I used to think about it really negatively. I didn't. I've just recently from Rhodes when we were out there for Trainer Summit and then you kind of reinforced it, I think, on one of your podcasts afterwards, just reframing that slightly because for me, if I go into a class and one thing I say makes a difference to one person's life, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. If nobody else likes what I've said, but that one person goes away and makes a better choice in their life or um, just has a better day, then I'm happy. So it's very much going into a situation of what's the best that could happen. Yeah. Um, and just having more confidence in my intentions. I like to think that all of my intentions, that I'm a well-intentioned person. So if I want to say something or post something on social media, to try not to second guess myself and just kind of feel confident in my intentions. Awesome. But that one's still definitely a work in progress as well. <laughs> and, uh, listen, they always will be. They always will be for all of us. Um, all of that kind of middle block you said, it's, you know, what's the best can happen. You know, I tell people instead of, you know, for instructors out there, instead of thinking, what if I mess up my choreography? Think, what can you give to that room, regardless of whether your choreography is correct or not? And then yeah. all of a sudden that is different. If you go in thinking, oh, what if I mess up? You will mess up because what you focus on expands. And it's yeah. the only thing your body, it's the only thing your mind can see because you're only giving it one target. 
messing up. Absolutely. But, but if you give it that other target is what am I going to give to this room? You've used the term, what's the best thing that can happen? That's another target that your body, your mind can start to see. So I yeah. absolutely love that one. Um, and then the most important question is what app do you have on your phone that isn't social media that you couldn't live without? Um, so I do use my fitness pal, uh -huh. but I kind of almost treat that it's not social media, but I kind of put it in the same bracket as that. Um, I use something called Tiny Beans a lot, which um, for any parents out there is really cool. It's basically a photo journal. You can upload photos and videos, um, but only people that you give the password and the link to can access it. So ah. it's you don't there's nothing if people like to put photos of their children on on social media that is fine and we put one or two up but we have a lot of family all over the world we've got a lot of family in South Africa Australia and um, we don't see any of them very often and so we like to put up regular pictures and videos of Joseph and of us as a family and so all our close friends and our family have got specific logins for that so they can see pictures and videos of him almost every day and um, but it's not all over social media for public consumption that's awesome so it's kind of like it's kind of like a whatsapp group for your family yeah. without the chaos of actually having the chat yeah so i guess it it's kind of social media but no, in no, a, it's like a different way that's great. Um, that's a really useful thing for a lot of yeah. people because i i would it's um i would share if i ever became a parent i would share that kind of mythology i wouldn't be wanting to plaster social media yeah with pictures of, of my child but at the same time you do want to share it with your close family so yeah. That's, yeah. that's a great way of doing it. I didn't know that existed. That's great. Um, and BBC News. I, uh, I love the BBC News app. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know how I feel about the news? <laughs> It'll influence how you think from the moment you get up. Just a quick flick each day just so that I'm, yeah, have a bit of an awareness of what's going on. No, I needed, I needed to check something on the news. It was last weekend. Like, it was born as probably, it was checking the weather. And all of my news apps on the phone had uninstalled themselves because I hadn't been using them. They'd all moved on. For that long? Yeah, I was going to do a social media post about that, but I forgot about it. I think that'll. Uh, <laughs> I think that's my next social media post. <laughs> Listen, Ida, I have absolutely loved this for so many reasons, and I want to thank you so much for spending as long as you have and giving so much value to everyone. So thank you very, very much. Well, thank you for having me. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Good. Perfect. I will put everything on the show notes and people can find you on Instagram and Facebook and I will catch you on the other side. Brilliant. Wow. I am so much more educated now on what women go through when women fall pregnant, you know, as, as a man who will never experience that. And I've never had a partner who's gone through that. And I've only really spent a couple of days with a family member who's gone through that. I, like, massive respect to all you girls out there, all you women. Um, we, we as men, I feel like I'm speaking for all men right now. We could never do that. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? We just, we just couldn't cope. Like, I, I struggle getting myself ready to get out of the house. And that's me normally. So, like, I, I just... Big, big love to all the mums out there. I'm going to phone my mum as soon as I finish this. And you know what? I'm just going to tell my mum. Love you, mum.
episode number 50 of the Ricky Long podcast sponsored by Ponyum for Sport, Northern Ireland Sports Retailer of the Year 2018. Big news! The next episode features a rebrand. Dun, dun, dun. You are listening to the Ricky Long Podcast, where international fitness entrepreneur Ricky Long answers your questions and interviews fitness leaders on training, nutrition, and mindset. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes.